Welcome to Overexerted, the Lorcana podcast brought to you by Two Tired Dads. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Charles. And I'm Ben, and we are your hosts. Since this is our first episode, I think it's best we let the audience get to know us a little better. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ben. All right. So my name's Ben. I am a 33-year-old dad of two. I live in British Columbia, Canada, in a small town just outside of Vancouver. That's about it. All right. And uh, how old are your kids, Ben? I have a five-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Awesome. My name's Charles. I live in the greater Seattle area. I'm 32 years old, and I have one kid. His name is Royce, and he's seven months old right now. How are you liking the adventure of uh, being a dad so far? It's amazing, and also pretty rough, because he's not a very good sleeper. So we're uh, my wife and I are working our way through that the best we can. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge, but it's definitely one of life's best challenges out there, I'd say. Absolutely. Since it's our first episode, I think it's important we talk about what Lorcana is, what this podcast is about. So what would you say, what is Lorcana to you? I think the best way I could describe Lorcana is it's a Disney trading card game with original art, kind of a somewhat hybrid play style of a lot of different TCGs almost combined. Yeah, actually, that's basically the easiest and quickest way I'd sum it up. What about you? What do you think Lorcana is? Yeah, so definitely a trading card game, which for those very few of you who are listening that don't actually already know, is like Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, where it's distributed in randomized booster packs. So you open up a pack, you don't know what you're going to get, and then you use those cards to build the deck and play against opponents. For me, it feels a lot like Magic the Gathering, but that's probably also because that's what I have the most experience playing. Yeah, 100% I'd say it, it feels a lot like Magic the Gathering as well. I don't really get too, too many Pokemon vibes out of it. It's, I guess, yeah, I wouldn't say it's it's too much like Pokemon. I played a little bit of Pokemon when I got into collecting it, and I'd say it feels more like Magic for my brief stint with Magic there. I was going to ask you, how did you first find out about Lorcana? Like, what kind of brought your attention to it? It was definitely a YouTube video, and I wish I remembered which exactly so I could give them credit, but it was definitely like right after Gamma, the gaming expo for store owners. I saw that they had posted the rules and that there were cards available, and I just kind of immediately got interested into it. Um, Being a new dad, obviously it's going to be a while, but at some point I hope to get my son interested in the game. 100%. I think I came across it, I was actually on my phone, and I have like the Google, what is it, the recommended ads that they have on there for you, or recommended articles, sorry, and it came up and said, Lorcana, the Magic the Gathering killer, and at the same time I had a friend texting me saying, hey, have you seen all the stuff coming out at D23? So I had opened the article, I hadn't read it yet, and I was going through the highlights of D23 on my computer well um going through my phone just because i love to do like three thousand things at once for some reason and i ended up seeing a picture of the cards around the same time that a highlight had come up around that and i sent the article back to my friend saying have you seen these new cards and he's also a disney fanatic and was like are we getting into this he loves pokemon as well so it was kind of like He's he just was like, am I dropping Pokemon and just getting straight into Lorcana? So it was kind of an interesting experience. It was pretty, I don't want to say it was pretty early on, but I guess it was pretty early, and I didn't end up joining the Discord until much, much later even. No, yeah, that's much earlier than I found out, but obviously if you're talking D23, that was what, like end of last year, right? Yeah. So... That was uh, that was a bit of a sting finding out that they also gave out all those beautiful cards and and not being able to get there because I know that I had kind of planned to one day get to D23 and the fact that I've missed like the one opportunity that probably would have been my biggest and favorite opportunity to go to D23 I'm like oh that stings so much yeah that's pretty rough so I guess what kind of attracts you to Lorcana what brought you in to it 
Well, I really wanted to find a new card game. I love card games, and I got kind of burnt out on Magic, so I was really looking for something new. And Florcana had a theme that I think will attract a lot of people. The theme's not as important to me, but I know it is to a lot of people. So, for instance, you know, when I told my wife there was a Disney card game, she was interested pretty much immediately, even though I would have never really got her to play any other card game. Fair, fair, yeah. I uh, I actually just got into Villainous recently, and my wife and I have been playing that, and she, she loves it. She thinks that the art on there is good, and uh, I said, wait until you see this Lorcana game. I think you're really going to love it. So for me, it was very similar. Not card game burnout, but uh, I actually had played card games in the past, played Magic the Gathering, entered a couple tournaments, really enjoyed drafting more than anything, and I, I'd say, yeah, kind of a little bit of burnout, not really just kind of faded out of magic and kind of decided to focus my attention elsewhere and then got into other stuff but i think for me it's it's i am actually a a disney full-blown disney adult i love disney everything disney basically any day of the week that i'm not working so most of friday and the weekend you'll always catch me in a disney t-shirt or sweater even right now on non-working hours i'm in a disney t-shirt i'm currently wearing a jungle book shirt which is one of my all-time favorite movies so oh nice yeah definitely big disney disney adult but i love the idea that it's all original art i love the idea that it's a card game where they want to make it easy enough that the entry age is kind of five-year-olds and up i think they said between five and six and up is who should be able to learn the game so I I love having that because I want to share that with my son, obviously, and be able to show him a card game and see if he's interested. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, Disney is not a big part of my life yet. Obviously, having a seven-month-year-old son, Disney Plus is going to be glued to the TV for a long time, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm certainly no Disney adult, and it's more the way the game plays that really attracted me to it. Okay. I know you mentioned a little bit about your TCG experience, but uh, give us the full rundown. When did you like first start playing a trading card game? What was it? So my first trading card game would be Pokemon, obviously the first release of Pokemon. I had a neighbor above me that's parents would buy him absolutely anything he wanted all the time, 24-7. And so he was constantly getting new booster packs of Pokemon, ripping them open, getting Venusaur, Charizards, like all these all these amazing cards. And I grew up with like a single mom struggling, working multiple jobs, and uh, not able to get me everything all the time. So I'd, I'd get like one or two booster packs when he's getting like 50 to 100 booster packs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I remember one summer, my mom sent me to go visit my grandmother, and uh, my best friend actually lived there out in Vancouver, Richmond area. So I opened up my bag while I was out visiting my grandmother, and I saw there was a booster pack inside, and I was like, oh, thanks, mom, this is awesome, like, it has a Blastoise on the front cover, like, Squirtle's my favorite, I love Blastoise, this is, gonna, this is like, awesome, I don't even care what I get, just knowing that my mom got me a booster pack was like, it lit up my my life and kind of made my my experience at my grandma's house start off on the right foot knowing that I was going to go and hang out with my best friend go and hang out with my grandma like I love my grandma I love my family and uh so I open up this booster pack and as I'm cycling through the cards there's a Blastoise inside so it couldn't get any better no way and it was like my my absolute icing on my cake so yeah I started off with Pokemon from there I moved into Yu-Gi-Oh which was actually hilarious I got into Yu-Gi-Oh in elementary school I traded a kid a holographic Pokemon card, I can't even remember which one, for his Blue Eyes White Dragon. Not knowing anything about Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is still like brand new. Kind of nobody had any idea what I was doing, and they asked me why I just traded away a bunch of cards for this random Blue Eyes White Dragon. And obviously Yu-Gi-Oh! took off and became like the next big thing, and Pokemon kind of, I don't want to say slowed down, but it kind of slowed down for that generation of kids. Um, So I got Mm -hmm. into Yu-Gi-Oh! quite a bit, and starting off with the Blue-Eyes White Dragon was kind of a good way to start off on the right foot. And yeah, so from there I I 
entered into a couple just local game store tournaments. I never en- played in any tournaments as Pokemon with Pokemon. Nobody even knew how to play Pokemon when I was a kid. <laughs> it was kind of just make up your own rules and go. Yeah, for sure. And I ended up getting absolutely destroyed in every Yu-Gi-Oh tournament that I ever joined. I believe I was in maybe early middle school at the time playing. And a lot of the kids were like late middle school or high school that I was playing against. And I was just getting absolutely decimated every single every single chance that I had. No matter how much money I spent on cards or no matter, you know, who lent me cards. Because I had friends that all played that had good cards. And we'd just kind of build this ultimate deck and I'd go into tournaments and just still get completely destroyed. And so I quit. I quit trading card games probably, I'd say, somewhere early in middle school. From there, I went on to just kind of focusing on other things, social life and stuff outside of trading card games and kind of just hanging out with my friends. And then, yeah, years and years and years later, after I had graduated and everything like that, one of my friends was into magic. And I was like, oh, like, what are you playing? What is this? And he's like, magic cards. And I was like, like, magic tricks? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, no, magic, like, the Magic the Gathering, it's a it's a trading card game. So he ended up giving me a bunch of his cards that he just had tons of extras laying around the house. And I ended up making like a white deck that was all about life gain, buffing your, your troops and stuff like that, and giving them, you know, first strike. And then all mill. Like it was half life gain, half buffs, and just mill. And yeah, I ended up loving Magic for a while, entered a couple tournaments, more enjoyed the draft side than the tournament side, and quickly found that if I entered a tournament, I would get destroyed. If I entered a draft, if I got destroyed, it didn't really matter, I might have gotten a really good card, but I found I had a bit of a better chance when I was in the drafts than in the in the actual... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're drafting... You don't have to have the full collection. You can just make the best of what you get, and you have a lot better chances against people who have a lot more money to spend on the game. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like after a bit of getting destroyed in tournaments and and drafting for a little bit, I kind of just fell out of magic and just decided to stop playing trading card games for a while, and then this kind of fell into my lap perfectly, being a Disney adult and and having previous love of trading cards and loving board games all the time, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of just a match made in heaven and it kind of worked out great. So I think this is going to be probably my end all be all. If it works out fabulously, then I would love to one day make it to a world's tournament or something like that. You know, something, something cool, something awesome to have on a resume. And I guess if it, if it's not in the cards, so to speak, (laughs) then I'll just end up, playing it with my friends and family and i think one thing that i love about it is that i'm excited to be able to build a deck show my wife how to build a deck somebody who's never played any trading card games just collected pokemon and kind of like be able to take it if we go camping or something like that you know like you can you can play anywhere really and it's it doesn't take up a ton of space like a bunch of board games will it's just literally you know a case of or not a case of coke a can of coke is about the size of a deck, so it's not taking up too much space. Yeah, absolutely. Just make sure it's not too windy when you're playing out there. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's your trading card game experience? Well, it definitely starts out pretty similar, which makes a lot of sense because you're only one year older than me. Ah. Um, I remember actually getting my first Pokemon card in the first grade. A kid had brought a deck of cards to school, a starter deck, and he was showing the class all these cool cards and he was giving his friends cool cards and we weren't really friends, but I did talk him into giving me a card and he gave me a diglet, which kind of shows what he thought about me. Oh, rough. <laughs> but um, I was just excited to have a Pokemon card at the time and it gets a little hazy for me after that memory. I definitely played Pokemon for a while. I remember when they told us that we weren't allowed to bring Pokemon cards to school anymore because there was like theft issues or people like making bad trades and wanting to take it back. Yeah. Um, But then of course I got into Yu-Gi-Oh when that came out, like we were the same age, like the show came on TV. It was so cool. 
everybody was getting into it. And that's when I'd say I started really playing the game. And not like at tournaments or anything, at least at first, but definitely just with friends at home, you know, on the couch, on the floor even, you know. Oh, yeah. Just sitting there playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I had the Dark Magician deck. My friend had the Blue Eyes White Dragon deck. And we just had a ton of fun with starter decks. Like, I don't think we even really messed around with, like, booster packs or changing things for quite a while. But eventually, as you get a little older, you start playing more. You got your collection up. And as we got a little older, I started taking the game a little more seriously. And was, you know, buying booster packs. And I never really had a lot of money as a kid. So really... Actually, buying booster packs wasn't my main way of getting new cards. I had to do a lot of trading. I was always looking to make trades. I was always trying to hustle a little bit, get the better deal, find out what people needed, go trade somebody else for what they need so that I could make something happen. Yeah. And and then eventually I wanted to get into magic. I was getting a little bit older. I also liked hanging out with the older kids at the store, and they were all playing magic. You know, Yu-Gi-Oh! was for a little bit of the younger crowd. Yeah, exactly. So I remember trading my Feral Dragon card for an entire box of magic cards, like a thousand magic cards, just because Barrel Dragon was an expensive card at the time. And I don't even know that I made a good trade because I got, you know, just a bunch of whatever cards <laughs> that were probably worth collectively ten or fifteen dollars. But I was happy because I had plenty of cards to build decks, experiment with the game and learn how to play. And that was my game for a long time. I'd hang out at the store, trade cards, play in tournaments, play in Friday Night Magic. And I had a really good time for a long time. But I did, as I started to play more, notice, you know, Magic has a big problem in that if you don't draw enough lands to play, you're not having a good time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You uh, just are basically watching somebody else control the board and do what they want to do. Yeah, it's just not a fun game at that point. And the problem can be the other way around too, right? When you are late game and you just want to draw anything that'll help you and you draw land. Yeah, and all you can do is sit there and stare and go, oh, it'd be so nice to be able to attack with more than two creatures right now. Or it'd be so nice to be able to cast this spell that I have in my hand. It'd be so nice to do anything. But instead I just have nothing but mana on the field. Yeah, so when I saw that Lorcana had the resource system where you're going to put your any card basically face down and use it as a land if you want to, I was like, wow, that is an amazing solution, and I'm totally in. Yeah, I definitely like the idea of that because, once again, you don't, you don't have a, a mana drought or a mana flood. You kind of just are right there. The uh, interesting thing about the game now, instead of worrying about if you got the mana or not, is do I play this card as a resource in my inkwell, or do I actually play it as a character so I can quest with it? Yeah, and trying to figure out when is enough for your deck. Like I find a lot of times I'm stopping at 5 ink because I need the cards, and I don't want to play more ink than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess if you if you have only cards that have up to five ink then you're kind of perfect whereas i know a lot of people have been talking about like dragon fire and stuff like that and i'm like that's that's an expensive card but if people are able to get other cards out onto the field and not worry about ink anymore and just be constantly questing that might be able to help them while you're still focusing on your ink well you know what i mean yeah absolutely Uh, i have a hard time believing maleficent's gonna be a very competitively played card at that nine cost yeah big dragon Yeah. After Magic, though, I did end up getting into a few of FFG's Living Guard games, which I thought were a great concept because they're much cheaper to own the entire collection. So I first played the Game of Thrones card game, the second edition, for those that know about it. And uh, that was a really fun game. It was complex, so you had to get gamer-minded people into it. This isn't something that somebody's going to pick up as their first card game. But it was a ton of fun. Unfortunately, support for it kind of ended out, and the community behind it really died prematurely because it was a fantastic game. Oh, yeah, that's no good. Did they have the uh, Jon Snow card in there? Oh, they had multiple Jon Snows. Yeah, absolutely. Jon Snow and Jon Snow the Resurrected. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, 
And then I played just briefly after that uh, the Legend of the Five Rings game. And, oh, actually, before the Game of Thrones game, I played Netrunner, which was a really fun game. Asymmetrical game where one player is playing as, like, the corporation server and the other person's playing the hacker that's trying to break in through the firewalls. It was a really cool game. That actually sounds pretty interesting. Unfortunately, also by Fantasy Flight, game kind of died. It's no longer supported. Uh, it's unfortunately a common thing with Fantasy Flight. And then I tried to get into the Legend of the Five Rings game, and the same thing ended up happening there. So I have a hard time getting interested in anything new from Fantasy Flight. But thankfully, Lorcana is not from Fantasy Flight. It's from Ravensburger, so I can have a fresh start and... <laughs> I don't have to have any bad feelings about what's going to happen in the game. Yeah, exactly. It's actually funny. I didn't know this, but when I was a kid, one of my friend's moms worked for a company where they had board games and toys and such. And she used to actually get to bring home a lot of board games. And some of the games that we actually played were old uh, Robinsberger games. And That is awesome. Yeah, so I, I actually ended up looking them up the other day because I was like, I want to play these again. I want to get my kids into them. They're kind of... an interesting idea behind a lot of the games not like your typical roll the dice and do this but kind of different mechanics and i i kind of looked into them to try and find them online and ebay and such and ended up finding out that there was a lot of them that were robinsberger and i was like that's that's amazing that i'm kind of coming full circle back to it again yeah i have to say it was pretty interesting when i first went to like the robinsberger website because i was like is this even the right company? Like they do like photo puzzles and it was like the most simplest thing is not, you know, I didn't expect their next project to be a Disney trading card game. Yeah, exactly. I guess they probably saw the success behind villainous and they were like, well, card games are kind of taken off right now. What if we did more than villainous? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Definitely. How do you plan to play lurk on I'm going to play a lot in my LGS. The biggest thing for me is scheduling, obviously. Having the two kids makes it not easy to just pick up everything that I have and just walk into an LGS and be like, hey, I'm here to compete in the tournament this weekend. Uh, lucky for me, my wife and I are very understanding that, you know, as adults and as human beings, we do need our own time to do our own things. So we kind of have worked out a schedule, funny enough. So she usually plays soccer on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And so on Tuesday and Thursdays, I'll end up putting the kids to bed while she's out at soccer. Or if she gets back, then, you know, we each kind of take a kid and put a kid to bed. But then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm usually playing games with my friends. And then Saturdays, I usually play games with my friends as well. So I think talking to my LGS, they said it was either going to be Saturdays or Sundays that they'd be holding their Lorcana days. And so I kind of said to the wife, I, I said, hey, if you don't mind, would it be all right if I ended up going into LGSs to play in these Lorcan tournaments, like just local tournaments and, you know, just possible sealed tournaments and stuff like that? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. That's perfectly fine. But then we found out that she also plays soccer on one of these days on the weekend. So I'm hoping it's the opposite day. And that's going to be the plan is just kind of go into the LGS play. If they do draft nights, I'll probably do drafts because I absolutely love drafting. I love drafting and I love sealeds. Like that's a big one for me because like I said before, I don't have to really construct anything beforehand. It's kind of luck of the draw. And for some reason, people say that I have ridiculous luck. So I end up liking things that test that luck, I guess. Other than that, it's just going to be trying to teach my son and play with my son. And as well as teach my wife, play with my wife. And like I said earlier, I have the one close friend in my group who's actually interested in Lorcana because he's a big Disney nerd like myself. And yeah, we're just probably going to end up trading and playing with each other constantly and trying to find as many people as I can to try and obviously grow my my strategies. And like I said before, hopefully one day make it to Worlds. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, that sounds like a really strong foundation. You got a couple of people you can play with outside of your local game store, but also plan to go and participate in any kind of leagues or things that are going on. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's pretty similar for me. Uh, I have 
one coworker who's interested in the game. So I have that as a resource, someone to play with. And then I'm trying to teach my wife how to play. I actually made up some proxy decks of the gamma decks to try out. So I'm already teaching her how to play. So by the time the game comes out, she's got a good grasp of it. Oh, you are streets ahead of me. I am. I haven't done any research on gamma decks. Like I've, I've, I know about the gamma decks and I know about the uh, proxies, but I haven't, attempted to even jump into a TTS or even just play with proxies. I'm just kind of going in blind right now, which doesn't seem like the best idea if I ever want to make it to Worlds. So you have not played one game of Lurkana? I have not played a single game of Lurkana. I've just heard people talk about how fun it is to play Lurkana. And I'm I'm definitely thinking that I probably need to get one under my belt pretty soon here before it actually releases. Holy moly. I definitely recommend printing out like i don't know if you have some sleeves from an old card game and you got some cards around access to a printer like print out the gamma decks yeah i definitely probably should and i do have like looking around i have old pokemon sleeves i have got just penny sleeves like i could probably i could probably secure a full set for either one of us to actually just sit there and play night after night and see if she actually enjoys it while i teach her yeah, just and just to demo it, right? Like, if you're gonna try and get a friend interested, being able to say, "Hey, let's sit down and play this." You know, we don't have to play to twenty lore; we could play to fifteen. Um, these are just simple forty card decks. They're the most basic version of Lorcana too, right? Like, these are designed by the designers to teach people who have never even seen the game how to play. So it's the perfect entry point. Oh, okay, yeah, it definitely seems like it's gonna be a good entry point, and. Even just like talking about Lurkana, I've I've been talking a lot to coworkers about it, and I've actually got two coworkers. One of them is fully hooked with me, and he's already put in like to put on the pre-order list. So his name's already on the pre-order list as well. And he's like, I'm just more excited to crack packs again. And then the other guy's a Magic player, who's like, I might actually be willing to jump in with you guys and get a couple packs and build booster decks so we can like play at lunch or something like that. Nice, that's good. So what is your pre-order strategy? How are you going to try to get your hands on this game? So I, the immediate area that I have around me is within 30 minutes from my city to another city and then 30 minutes in the opposite direction. I called the city that I work in, which is 30 minutes over, and nobody there out of all the trading card games are actually stocking Lurkana. They have basically said we're a magic store and that's about it. The two stores that I do have in town, I went into one of them and traded in all my Pokemon cards for store credit there and also put my name on a wish list. So they said when they finally do get allocation, they're going to go down the list and call everybody and say, this is how much we got. This is how much you're allowed, because I guess they're only going to allow people so many booster boxes or packs or so on and so on. And so I know on one list, uh, they said I'm pretty high up. And then on the other store, which is actually, I've known the owner a lot longer. I'm kind of more closer with that owner. The first store that I mentioned is kind of a new store in town. But the the other store has been around for a while. And he said, I'm actually on the, the top of the list. He's like, yeah, like you were like the first person to message me right after I even announced that we'd be carrying Lorcana. Oh, good. That's good. So you got at least some good leads there. Yeah, so my hope is even if the first store calls me and says, hey, you, you're only allowed like one booster box and one of everything, then I can at least say if the other store calls me and says, hey, you know, we also have this, this, and this, I can hopefully get like a second booster box and maybe a, a second or third starter deck because I do want to have a starter deck for myself, a starter deck for my wife, and possibly a starter deck for my son as well. But I'm not sure if I'd rather just let him crack packs because I know that was probably the biggest joy as a kid was just cracking packs all day. Yeah, for sure. What about you? How do you plan on securing some? I've got the shotgun approach with the local game stores. Uh, two in my immediate area are at least going to attempt to get Lorcana. Oh, okay. And then I also talked to some of the bigger stores in the Seattle area and got my name on a list there as well. But I also have September 1st requested off from work so that I can go to every big box store in the area and try to secure some Lorcana that way as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I have September 1st off because I work Monday to Thursday. And I was like, they said big box stores like Target. Should I just like 
wake up at 4 in the morning, drive across the border, and head to Target, because we do not have any Targets up here. But then I'm like, am I going to be stealing packs from Charles's hand if I get there before him? <laughs> first come, first serve. I have no hard feelings about that. Um, Walmart is a good resource as well, though. I do believe Walmart's basically confirmed as the other big box store that's going to carry it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I do know our Walmart does carry trading card games. So maybe I'll just stick to Canada because with the conversion rate, it might not even be worth it to drive down and have to pay extra for cards. You know, but still better than paying scalpers online. That's something we can definitely agree on. A hundred percent. What card do you think is your favorite based on the artwork? Based on artwork purely, I would say that my favorite card is kind of a tie. So I'd say... Robin Hood is one of my favorites. When I saw it at the D23, I immediately fell in love with it because I have always been a huge fan of Robin Hood. But I also just, seeing this Timon card that's recently released, I I can't help but just think that's a great-looking Timon. It and really it, is. They did it, a great job on that. Yeah, it just completely like encapsulates his whole personality right in the card. And uh, I just can't help but just think, like, yeah, I love the Timon and I love the Robin Hood, which doesn't really work out because I don't think either of them are a color that I'm playing either. <laughs> so you already know what colors you want to play, huh? Yeah, I kind of have an idea. Um, originally, I wanted to go with Amethyst and Amber, which is hilarious because it is just starter deck colors. But I've kind of moved over to Ruby and Emerald just based on the abilities. Interesting. Okay. Um, for my artwork, I would have to go with Steamboat Mickey. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. Uh, I just love the classic black and white card on the boat, headed into Lorcana. Like it's, it's almost like each one of us players, right? Like we're coming from the outside world and heading into the Lorcana universe for the first time. So I think it's a really good card for the first set. That's perfect. What, uh, do you have any idea what colors you're thinking about? See, I'm different. I'm a deck builder. I'm going to be building all the colors. Okay, yeah. Actually, one of the first things I did when I was kind of doing research on Lorcana was like, I wrote down all the colors, and then I kind of wrote down all the combinations, and I was like, there's a total of 15 different combinations that you can make. So I'm just going to build 15 different decks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that I'll have 15 decks together at the same time because you'd have to have a lot of duplicates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely Emerald is a color that stands out to me. Um, my favorite card based on its ability right now would probably be Cheshire Cat. Mm -hmm. Just because it puts your opponent in such an awkward situation where they have to make a hard choice. And I like cards that do that because if I'm making my opponent make difficult choices there's a decent chance they'll make the wrong choice, and that gives me an advantage in the match. That is fair. That is that is uh, 100% true. What about you? What's your favorite card so far in terms of like, what you want to play with? So I was going to say Robin Hood again, just because the ability of the... Kind of the idea behind Robin Hood when it first released was it's showing that there's going to be multiplayer right off the bat, because it says if an opponent, instead of saying if your opponent. So it's signifying that, yeah, there's going to be more than one opponent. I really loved that idea that there was multiplayer, and I also loved that he has evasive. So it's like he, essentially a sniper taking out anybody who has evasive. He's just get, gaining evasive on your turn and taking out the other characters that have evasive. But I'm actually going to say, because... Obviously, wanting to play red, there has to be a reason why I want to play red. I do like the Aladdin Heroic Outlaw, just because I love the idea of taking lore from somebody else and essentially gaining lore to yourself. So it's putting yourself up while putting them down. So it's kind of, if you guys were equal, there's now a four lore deficit. Yeah, there's definitely not many ways to interact with your opponent's lore, so it's definitely an interesting card. Yeah, that's kind of what gravitated me towards the card, was this is the first time we were seeing a card that actually affects your opponent's lore. And I think that's awesome, knowing that there could be a possibility of other cards that do the same. 
What Disney property are you excited to see in Lorcana? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would love to see the Jungle Book because I want to see the little Valkers. I don't think there's really a character in the Jungle Book that I don't like, to be honest. So I think the Jungle Book would be a great one to see. Fox and the Hound I would love to see, especially because I, I hear a lot of people talking about Tudor constantly and how, oh, I, I want to see Tudor in this game. I want to see Tudor. But like, I think everybody's kind of missing the mark that if you're going to have Tudor, everyone's saying like Genie could have Tudor, this character could have Tudor. But it's like uh, Copper's literal ability would be Tudor. When he's the little puppy, they're playing hide and seek and he can find anything with his nose. Like he's a hound dog. Like that is a Tudor right there. Tudor, for those who don't know, is the ability to search your deck for a specific card and add it to your hand. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, what about you? Those definitely, yeah, those definitely sound good. Um, I definitely do love the idea of the jungle book. Um, I also really want to see Fantasia added to the game. There's a lot of fun Fantasia stuff that they could do. Oh yeah. I guess all we really have is just kind of the brooms for anything remotely Fantasia. Oh yeah. I assumed the brooms were like from beauty and the beast. But I guess those are Fantasia, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually... I think the brooms are about it, because the Sorcerer Mickey, or the Wayward Sorcerer, is definitely not his Fantasia outfit Sorcerer. See, I'm glad you know this stuff. you got to keep me on honest here, because I do not know my Disney well enough. Yeah, I'm. I'm constantly... Everything Disney. I'm watching Disney Plus. We have Friday night movie nights with the kid, and the baby's obviously asleep by then. But the the oldest is uh, watching movies with us, and usually it's right to a Disney movie, and we're trying to get him to pick a different one every time, just so we kind of get a little more in there, get a little more knowledge for him, even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking forward to when I can actually like sit down and watch a movie with Royce. Uh, he's not quite there yet, but it's gonna be soon yeah it's it's quite the best feeling in the world almost because like you're getting to share you're getting to share the pop culture that you grew up with which they usually aren't interested in your stuff but they want to kind of pull you into their stuff but it's still kind of fun to be able to show them i've actually been trying to get my oldest into star wars lately but uh yeah my oldest's name is Grayson, and Grayson is not really jumping into it fully yet, which I don't blame him. It's kind of hard to get into Star Wars when you're a little kid early on. Yeah, sorry, how old is Grayson? Uh, Grayson is five, so there's a lot of talking in Star Wars, which a five-year-old with short attention span is not really interested in a lot of talking. Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely uh, very story-driven and hard to follow at that age, for sure. But I mean, there is lightsabers, so there's... That is true, and when we did take him to Disneyland, he was all over the lightsabers. He definitely was interested and uh, was pretty close to getting one. I was pretty close to building one of the very expensive ones and decided against it because I thought that is money that could go to Lorcana instead. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. I don't know if you've been doing this recently, but everything that I think about buying, I I consider how many packs of Lorcana or... On expensive purchase purchases, how many booster boxes of Lorcana I could get instead, and it's really been saving me a lot of money. Yeah, you're uh, you've invented the Lorcana standard in the Discord. There, I've noticed more and more people are starting to flock to your Lorcana standard of uh, new currency. Yeah, definitely, people are taking a liking to it for sure. Oh yeah, it's taking it by storm. I've, I've been seeing more and more people like, yeah, well, you know, I could do this, but that's like twenty five packs of Lurkana or that's three booster boxes of Lurkana and I just I'm like every time I'm like oh Charles what have you done you've created the new standard (laughs) it's great though I think uh, I think it's actually an excellent saving technique if you think of something cheap that you really like and then just in this case six bucks for a booster pack when you start thinking about oh I could go out to dinner you know, tip and everything. It's like 60 bucks. That's 10 packs. You know, maybe I'll just make some mac and cheese and hot dogs at home. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I uh, I should probably start doing that more often because I keep finding myself. Oh well, I'll just go to Wendy's and quickly grab a burger. You know, it's it's not that bad. And once I get an idea in my mind, it's like good luck trying to convince myself otherwise. It's ah yeah, I'll just quickly go grab a burger for lunch. That's a lot easier than trying to pack something and actually go to bed at a responsible time like an adult should. Maybe if I start telling myself that, you know, it's twenty dollars on burgers and fries and drinks or whatever, that's costing me about three packs of Lurkana up here. Exactly. You know, you're like, well, dang, if during my lunch break I could go get three packs, like it's a pretty good lunch. Yeah, exactly. I'd I'd way rather open up three packs on my lunch break than eat a burger that I definitely don't need. So really if you think about it, it's going to be good on the wallet, and it's probably going to be good on the uh, on the gut health too. Yeah, exactly. I'm on the Lorcana diet. <laughs> if it's not cards, I'm not interested. Yeah, I uh, I'm living off of eating commons and packaging material. <laughs> Perfect. What difficulties do you think that you will face in the first year of Lorcana's um... launch? It's going to be interesting. I think we will have a community at first. There will be interest and hype at launch, but it'll be interesting to see if we can maintain that and keep a solid group at the local game store. Yeah, yes, definitely 100%. Especially if um, people are buying boxes just to scalp them, then it makes it so that a lot of players and collectors can't even get their hands on it, which... I know my local game store, when I said, how much can I get? They said, well, you can get enough that you can be happy, but I also need to make sure that other people are able to get their hands on the game. Because if you're the only person in town with uh, every card, then you're not going to have anybody to play with and the game will die. I appreciate that your store had that perspective. That's important. Yeah, he he's definitely one of the better game store owners in town and definitely one of the better ones i've ever encountered it's not just all about like how can i make a quick buck he's like no i want to see these things survive and then thrive yeah absolutely i know uh, as soon as i found out about the game i went to my favorite local game store and said hey man did you see this game and he had just gotten back from gamma so he's like yeah i saw it i didn't really get a chance to check it out too much because it was a really crowded area but we're interested in carrying it, you know, so as soon as I found out the organized play thing was open, I went down and talked to him again and said, hey, here's how you sign up for organized play. If you want to get cards, you're going to need to do this. And he was on board. He's been a great spirit. Uh, but I'm glad that I've kept in communication because he probably wouldn't have even known if I hadn't went out of my way to let him know what was going on. Yeah, exactly. I um I thought that I was doing the same thing and helping him out by messaging my local game store owner and uh I thought this was hilarious. I sent to him in a message just a heads up. Apparently Lorcana is limiting the number of stores that they have to send organized play kits to for the first set. And they replied, "I have applied already. I have the application filled out. I'm just doing the video right now." And I was like, oh, okay, sorry, you're already on top of it. So I thought it was absolutely hilarious that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm helping him out. He probably doesn't know about this. And he's just sitting there going, dude, I've already applied. I'm just submitting the video. Please stop messaging me. You're messaging me every day. And I feel like <laughs> I feel so bad. But at the same time, I'm like, if I wasn't on the top of the list before, I'm definitely on the top of the list now. Right. No, he knows you're interested and he knows you want to see the game actually live and have a community, which is really important. Exactly. And that's kind of how I hope to build build up my Lorcana points because with the whole organized play system, I know that they said if you teach people how to how to play in store, you get points and uh just competing and as well as just being a friendly person in the store. So that's kind of what my idea is is I want to teach as many people as I can. I want to get people interested and I want to help build up this community cuz that's how I want to see the game survive and thrive. And, you know, if if I'm the only person playing, then there's not really anywhere I can go from there. So No, you'll never make it to Worlds playing by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you were able to get one of those D23 cards, if you could get your hands on any single one of them, which one card would you hope to be able to obtain and why? That's tough, because if I'm thinking about long-term collectability... 
obviously I think the Mickey brave little Taylor is going to be the one that, that withstands the test of time and holds its value. percent. I have to say my favorite out of them is Rockstar Stitch. That is a good one. It's a floodborne. We've never seen Stitch look like that, you know, and just to imagine that little alien out there on the stage rocking it out is just hilarious to me. Yeah, I definitely do love that one. It reminds me of like the uh, Elvis Stitch from the movie where he's just jamming out on the guitar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about you? Uh, just Robin Hood again. I mean, I love the Cruella de Vil. Um, I believe from what I saw, the foiling looks awesome on it with the whole green smoke. But I think I'd just have to stick with that Robin Hood. And I I know it's probably not going to be the card that gets you the most money. It's not going to be the card that's, you know, the most collectible or anything like that. But if I had that Robin Hood, that'd probably be uh, framed up on my wall. Just because I've always been a Robin Hood fan. I love the idea behind the movies. I love the idea behind the character. Stealing from the rich and giving to the needy. It's it's definitely one of the one of the better characters out there, in my opinion. Yeah, Robin Hood, they did a really good job with that card for sure. Oh, yeah. I just love how bright the colors are on it, the beautiful blue sky in the background, the gold at the um, base of the tree. It's a really well-done piece of art. Yeah, I definitely have to hand it to him. He he definitely did some good art there. Um, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, and I don't think I would go with a, any other image. I will say I do hope we get Robin Hood in disguise in his little dork costume. I'd love to see that. Or even uh, Crystal Ball Robin Hood. Interesting. Yeah, I need to go back and watch Robin Hood because I don't really know what you're talking about, honestly. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, it's definitely a treat. I've gone back and watched it a couple times. I think that would be the only streaming app I had if I didn't have uh, a wife and kids. If I was just a single guy, it'd just be me, Disney Plus, and video games, and I'd probably just play video games and watch Disney Plus in the background. <laughs> Is there any of the um, accessories you're excited about? Are you looking for a particular playmat? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely like the Maui playmat um, out of all of them. Um, but then at the same time, I'm kind of divided because I'm like, I do like the... Captain Hook sleeves. They're one of the better mm-hmm. sleeves, in my opinion. But I'd love to see just kind of a couple different characters, possibly. Like, um, I'd love to see the Hades King of Olympus with his golden blonde, like, mop of hair. I'd love to see that as a playmat, even. That would be cool, yeah. I mean, obviously, I already called out the Steamboat Willie uh, artwork, so you know which play Matt I'll be getting. Oh, yeah, definitely the Maleficent one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, The sleeves, I have not had a good experience with any sleeves that have artwork on the back in my past, so I'm probably not picking up any of them. That's 100% Um, fair. Maybe. I hope I'm wrong for the community. I hope they're really good, uh, but just... In terms of something that's going to last a long time, you know, I'm going to stick with my standard matte sleeves that I know shuffle the way I like. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Do you usually go with like the uh, Dragon Shield? I've been hearing a lot of people talk about. Dragon Shield is definitely really good. It, I've been out of the game a long time. I used to like the KMC Hyper Matte sleeves. I used to like. I don't even remember what the other Ultra Pro used to have a pretty decent matte sleeve back in the day as well. And I know it went down in quality and then they came out with a new one. I I don't know. I've heard good things about Katana. I'll definitely be trying those out. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Um, I bought some game genic recently just to do the proxy decks and those seem really good. Honestly, they were a little cheaper and I thought I wasn't going to like them, but so far they've been pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I've I've been definitely looking into getting something else because I know that for the longest time, especially with Pokemon, all I would do is just a penny sleeve and then uh, the hard sleeves over top of that. But for... Oh no, you can't play like that. Yeah, and that's the thing is I used to play Pokemon at the LGS like that and people tell me you can't play in tournaments like that. So 
I was kind of disappointed because I'm like, yeah, but nothing can get damaged when they're in those beautiful hard sleeves, and people are like, no, you can't shuffle them. What? You look like a <laughs> madman. <laughs> I love looking like a madman. It's all I ever do. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely one of the biggest decks you'll ever you'll ever see if you <laughs> try and shuffle it. It's just it's almost wrist breaking. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how you wield that. I... I, I'm just shocked. People are talking about an inner sleeve, a standard sleeve, and an outer sleeve, like three sleeves for one card. I'm like, guys, we're not playing with, uh, you know, $10,000 alpha magic decks like these. <laughs> it's crazy to me, but it goes to show you how interested people are in this and how much they want to protect their cards. Yeah. Going back to the sleeves, though, I know that Ryan and Steve are like sticklers for quality from what I've heard. And so part of me is like, I feel like the first batch of sleeves was almost rushed. Like the first batch of sleeves and play mats, possibly. Uh, I feel like it's kind of, Hey, you know, people are interested in this too. We should get this out. And they kind of had to, yeah, yeah. Okay. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, but if they're sticklers, I'm also like, what if it's really great quality right off the bat? And then I do want to get the sleeves, but then they're sold out everywhere. So part of me is like, do I just bite the bullet and grab the sleeves? And if they don't work out, whatever, I just got this collection of sleeves sitting around. Or do I just kind of wait and see what the reviews say first? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you really like a sleeve, it's not going to kill you to pick one pack of them up and, you know, maybe put it on a deck you don't play as much, you know, so you get more life out of them. That's true. I guess I could also just give it to the um, the wife or Grayson, because if they're not going to be playing as much as I probably more likely am going to be, then, uh, you know, it's just a sleeve on their card, and if anything, it just protects their card more than having them floating around not sleeved. Yeah, and if a little corner peels up, it's not the end of the world. Exactly. Hopefully have a couple extras ready to go. All right, so I think we're going to wrap up the episode there. Thank you for joining us here on Overexerted. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Check us out on Twitter at OverexertedCast. <laughs>